This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Samsung, provider of defense-grade mobile security for an open world. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. On Tuesday, October 2nd, at a critical moment for cyber risk in the United States, the Washington Post brought together government leaders, security experts, and advocates to discuss emerging threats across the cybersecurity landscape. Experts at the forefront of cyber threat detection and prevention also offered a global view of cyber dangers facing the U.S., including foreign interference in American elections, infrastructure vulnerability, intellectual property theft, and targeted misinformation. In this segment, former CIA Director General David Petraeus and former White House Homeland Security Advisor Lisa Monaco assess America's cybersecurity posture and the cyber priorities of the Trump administration and Congress. Let's listen. So, good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm David Ignatius. I'm a columnist for The Washington Post. It's my pleasure to have all of you here with us this morning and with two panelists I greatly uh, respect uh, who are going to help us think about this very complicated new problem of cyber warfare, cybersecurity. Uh, Lisa Monaco has been living this problem as much as anybody in government, first at the FBI, where, among other things, she was briefly, I think, chief of staff to Robert Mueller. Wasn't so brief. <laughs> Didn't feel that way anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, who has gone on to, to other things, as, as we know. Uh, Lisa had many senior positions, assistant attorney general uh, at the Justice Department, and then moved over to the White House under President Obama, where she was uh, head of Homeland Security and Counterterrorism in the White House, one of the truly difficult jobs in our government, uh, and by all accounts did it. Uh, marvelously. General Dave Petraeus is well known to everyone in the audience, I'm sure, one of the most distinguished military leaders of this generation. I've known General Petraeus for 15 years, I think. At least. Uh, uh, so we've, we've seen each other. I've had the great opportunity to watch him uh, as a commander uh, in many different places. Just to summarize, as you know, he was uh, in the first wave uh, in Iraq, uh, going through Baghdad to, to Mosul. Uh, as things were becoming more and more difficult in Iraq, General Petraeus led what we call the surge, which was a moment in which, in that very difficult war, uh, things actually seemed to be going right in terms of reduction of violence uh, and protection of, of human life there. Uh, he went on to become CENTCOM commander, one of our most important four-star commands, and then uh, was uh, asked to leave that to become uh, commander uh, of the ISAF, uh, coalition forces in Kabul, Afghanistan, uh, and then uh, became director of the Central Intelligence Agency. So he's seen both from the military tactical level and from the strategic CIA level the issues uh, of cyber that we're going to discuss. So I want to ask each of you to begin. I'll put this very directly. I want you to begin by scaring us, scare this <laughs> whole audience, and tell us briefly uh, you know, in a, in a minute, a, a, a cyber story that will make people understand why this danger is so serious. Lisa? So, um, I didn't get the nickname Dr. Doom from President Obama for no reason. <laughs> it's because I was always worried about the worst case scenario and I always brought him bad news. Um, on the cyber front, look, I don't think you have jobs like 
David and I had without worrying about the cyber 9-11 that has been talked about in a cyber attack with kinetic effects, physical effects. But I will tell you, the thing, one of the things I worry most about is the cyber attack that is unseen, that, makes, that shakes our confidence in the integrity of information. Now, obviously, we've seen that on a massive scale to some degree with disinformation operations, but what I'm talking about is the cyber activities that shake our confidence in things like the integrity of the markets, right? The ability of a cyber actor to uh, change the integrity or alter the integrity of information to make us question whether the trades, uh, millions of which go on every day in this country and around the world, whether we can have confidence in the resolution of those trades. So things that really shake our confidence uh, in the integrity of uh, that which is integral to our daily lives. And you could go on uh, to a list of things, financial transactions, health information, et cetera. So uh, I worry very much about that. Just to, to underline that, imagine a world where you, you could not, uh, when you woke up one morning, establish your ownership mm -hmm. or the pricing of any asset that you hold. Right as an individual investor, as a great corporation or financial institution. So Dave, I'll ask you the same question. Uh, scare, scare the heck out of us on this cyber front. Well, Dr. Doom has already done a pretty good job. And you know, we're entering the era that might be termed the weaponization of everything. Uh, but I'd bring back the scary scenario again to the cyber equivalent of a weapon of mass destruction. In other words, the ability to shut down the electrical grid of a large part of the country, say the eastern seaboard, uh, and keep it down. Uh, and that in the hands of an extremist group. So not any, another state entity that can presumably be deterred, but an extremist group that's shown a willingness to blow itself up on the battlefield to take us with us. I don't know how you keep that group from hitting the send key if they ever get that capability. Now, this is a remote prospect. Uh, I think there's been a good caution about why this would be very, very difficult from uh, FERC and from the others who are in the energy business. Uh, but it is not an impossible possibility, and I think that would be very, very dangerous and have the effects, indeed, of a weapon of mass destruction. I want to invite the audience uh, both here in the room and uh, the online audience that's watching a streamed video of this to send any questions that you've got that I can put to Lisa Monaco and General Petraeus. Uh, the uh, address is hashtag post live, so please send me, send me questions. Let me turn to the, the very immediate question uh, of how the Trump administration is doing with the challenge that you just described. And, and I'd ask each of you, starting with Lisa, to, to, to evaluate what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. What, what concerns you uh, in, the, in the way that they're dealing with this question? We'll get to the larger question of Russia and Russia's mm -hmm. activity. I mean, really, just in terms of organizing for the basic cyber threat. So um, I'll start positive, which is to say, I think in, in large measure, this is a story of continuity, building on uh, work from multiple administrations. Uh, I think the Trump administration has actually, if you look at it, uh, continued a lot of what was going on in the last administration. Here I would point to things like basically an approach that says we are going to determine who done it, who is the malicious cyber actor, call them out, 
and impose costs. That's something that you saw uh, the Obama administration do, beginning with the member, five members of the People's Liberation Army in China, uh, where uh, we indicted those individuals for stealing intellectual property. That's a case I began when I was Assistant Attorney General at the Justice Department. And then you can track it all the way through to Sony, to Iran, to Russia. Um, I think the Trump administration has basically kept that philosophy, but accelerated it, and rightly so. I believe we should be calling out and imposing costs uh, against these malicious cyber actors. They've kept in place things like the sanctions regime that the, the Obama administration started to impose uh, sanctions, giving the authority to impose sanctions against malicious cyber actors. Uh, but where I would say uh, they have gone, I think, very dramatically and dangerously astray, that is in the uh, accountability and responsibility in the White House and in the government writ large for uh, cyber uh, security issues. They have gotten rid of, inexplicably, the role of the cyber coordinator. Uh, Rob Joyce, who held that job in the Trump administration till about six or seven months ago, I think, uh, is a, a tremendously talented career professional from NSA, held that role, by all accounts did a very good job. Uh, and it, it makes no sense, and I think actually is uh, governmental and management malpractice not to have somebody who is focused in the White House 24-7, 100% of his or her time on the cybersecurity threat, which we and the intelligence community have said for five years running is the greatest threat we face, and in fact, above and beyond Lisa, terror. just explain, because uh, few people have had the experience you ha have had, what, what difference does it make if you don't have Rob Joyce coordinating cyber? What's missing? What, what stops happening? So, and we'll get to this later in the discussion, I think, there's a myriad responsibilities and roles across the federal government for cybersecurity. In the Department of Homeland Security for protecting critical infrastructure, in the FBI for investigating particularly state actor uh, cyber threats, the Secret Service, obviously NSA and Cyber Command for our offensive uh, cyber operations. So you have a whole range of roles and responsibilities around the federal government. It will surprise no one to know that isn't always uh, without friction. You need one place in the federal government, and that happens in the National Security Council and in the White House, to bring all those people around the table to move out on a strategy and on a policy. That policy is set rightly from the White House, from the president, and then implemented and coordinated out of the White House and out of the National Security Council. You would never imagine that you wouldn't have a national security advisor to make sure everyone is rowing in the same direction on Iraq policy, on China policy, uh, on Syria policy, you name it. The same is true on cybersecurity, and it is such a great uh, threat and such a great challenge that not having somebody focused 100% of his or her time, I think, is a tremendous, uh, is a tremendous gap uh, and irresponsible. And I would say the structure in the White House that has now for uh, more than 10 or 12 years running been, been the structure for homeland security and counterterrorism and cybersecurity, uh, at least domestically. That structure has been the homeland security advisor role, the role I had, um, the role that Tom Bossert had, uh, John Brennan, Fran Townsend, Ken Weinstein, going back to the Bush administration. That role was responsible for cybersecurity. They had a cyber, uh, cyber coordinator who report, reported to the Homeland Security Advisor and the National Security Advisor, getting rid of that structure, I think, is a real mistake. Dave, what, what grade would you, would you give this administration on this issue? Well, let me just describe it, I think, which okay. is better. First of all, I uh, agree with what Lisa has said. 
I think you have sort of an understandable pause or lag when any new administration changes if you go from one party to the other. Uh, but now I think there's a regaining of momentum and really an acceleration that's going on. You have the national cyber strategy that's been announced, I think it was PPD 20. Uh, you have now legislation advanced uh, through the House uh, that will strengthen very substantially within DHS, the National Cybersecurity uh, and Inf Critical Infrastructure Protection Agency, uh, elevating it from an office within a directorate to at least being the equivalent of FEMA and the Coast Guard and mm -hmm. uh, TSA and, and so forth. Uh, I personally think it could be elevated even further, but that is a good start. You have other legislation in the House that will help with the hiring uh, of talented people by DHS again and throughout the federal government. All of these are issues that needed to be addressed. Uh, now they are being addressed by a combination of, again, DHS uh, and Congress uh, with the administration pushing this. And so I think you see some momentum gathering now uh, in response to a recognition of the very severe threats that are out there. So we'll have uh, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security Kirsten Nielsen here with us in a, in a few minutes. <clears throat> and maybe we can kind of set the stage for her and help the audience think about, about, about questions uh, for her. One that uh, we write about a lot in the newspaper is whether this administration, uh, the president, but key officials like Secretary Nielsen, have really um, uh, addressed directly enough what our intelligence uh, chiefs say was a deliberate Russian attempt to manipulate our elections in 2016, that is continuing. And so let me ask each of you to, to briefly assess how you think on that particular issue uh, this administration and Secretary Nielsen are doing. So I would give Secretary Nielsen great credit for um, accelerating and improving upon the um, relationships with the state and local officials who are responsible for voting in this country. I mean, let's remember, voting is not a federally administered um, apparatus in this country. It is rightly in the hands of state and local officials. Um, thousands and thousands of precincts are overseen and counties are overseen by uh, state and local officials. And so they're administered at the state level. That means you need a robust engagement uh, with state and local officials from the federal side, and that has been in the hands of DHS and in the hands of Secretary Nielsen. And I think she and her team have done a very good job of building what I call kind of uh, infrastructure or scaffolding that uh, the federal government and the state and local officials uh, can share information. They've created an election coordinating council, uh, and I think, and what I've heard from talking to state officials who are in charge of uh, securing the voting infrastructure, uh, they see a real improvement and a, a, a very good effort by DHS on that front. And then the other thing I would say is I think Secretary Nielsen and the leaders of the intelligence community have been out in a unified voice talking about the continued uh, Russian threat uh, against our elections. I wish it were a more unified voice uh, from the White House as well. David, I'd be, I'd be interested in, in your assessment of, of that uh, and maybe to add just one additional element. What more you think ought to be done in a period where it appears from everything we read the Russians are being extremely aggressive in the use of these weapons? Well, first of all, I think you also ought to mention uh, what Congress has done in this regard. Obviously, there's been some reservations in the White House 
uh, about how hard to pursue this, to put it mildly. Uh, and Congress says, you know, this is where it's important to remind, I often do with foreign audiences, that their foreign policy in the U.S. isn't just created uh, by the chief executive with a supportive parliament, as is the case in many other countries. Uh, here, Congress very much has an independent voice, and they've been the ones who have pushed the sanctions uh, on Russia, which the president at times has signed reluctantly because otherwise his veto would be overridden. And so uh, get good on them uh, for that, I think. Um, look, clearly a message has to be sent to Russia, uh, and the, the new uh, cyber strategy that's been announced actually allows a greater offensive uh, activity to be determined. You'll have to see what are the standing rules of engagement, as they say, that will guide this uh, if it's wielded by Cyber Command and their assets, which include NSA, of course. Uh, but uh, again, you can pursue this in a host of other ways as well. Some of this has been done. There is, again, there's been pursuit in the legal realm. There's financial. All of these opportunities are there. And I think this is actually, it comes back to it's where it's awfully nice to have a coordinator in the White House who could coordinate all of the activities of all of the different executive branch departments and agencies in having a concerted effort that shows the Russians very clearly that there is going to be a very significant price to pay for trying to undermine our faith in elections and trying to inflame debates as they have sought to do, and as they did quite effectively, actually, uh, in the lead up to the previous election. Can I say one other thing? I think um, two areas where I would like to see Congress act, and they have not yet, which is to pass the Secure Elections Act, yeah. which inexplicably has not garnered bipartisan support. It has bipartisan authors, but it has not been pushed through Congress that would uh, provide funding uh, to states to shore up their cybersecurity uh, of the voting infrastructure. And pretty modest funding, by the way. I mean, this is not break the bank kind of spending. Right, and unfortunately, that's the other point I would make, which is to say this is not a one-and-done effort. Yep. Right. There needs to be a sustained support for states to shore up their cybersecurity and their election infrastructure going on um, out into in, for many years to come. The technology changes, the tactics of our adversaries changes and evolves very rapidly. We have to be in that game. Um, so I, I think they should be um, working on that diligently and setting a path for the future. Uh, the other thing is I think that they should uh, require a report from the intelligence community um, 60, 90 days out uh, to the Congress about what efforts are being made by any state or non-state actors, for that matter, uh, to interfere in our elections. So here's an interesting uh, sign that out there in the country people are worried about this. These are two messages from social media that just came in on the hashtag uh, uh, post live uh, line. Bruce on Facebook asks, what's the likelihood of a cyber attack on our midterm election? In other words, is this coming at us? And Mike on Twitter asked pretty much the same thing. What are the chances a malicious state actor could hack into our uh, state voter registration databases? Well, just to give a quick, Dave, what, what, here's somebody saying, is this going to happen to us in two months? What's going on? What, oh, what I think? suspect, first of all, there will be attempts, keeping in mind that this is 50 different <coughs> uh, election, state election apparatuses that are out there. Uh, some of which have been shown to have vulnerabilities. Yeah. You know, they, they, one of the recent hacking conventions recently did it right in front of everyone uh, mm -hmm. and so showed the vulnerabilities that do exist. Uh, and again, we've seen what happened back in 2016 very, very clearly. Uh, so I think the prospects are quite real uh, that you will see some of this. This, by the way, comes back to why it is very important that DHS elevates 
the role of this what will now be National Cybersecurity and Critical Infrastructure Protection uh, Agency, at least to the level of, again, FEMA, TSA, and all the other operating elements within DHS. Uh, although, again, I would take it farther and take it all the way to an independent uh, on, cyber yeah, yeah. On that point, I, so I think David and I disagree a little bit on this. I absolutely agree with him that there should be an elevation of the current apparatus and the current uh, office and uh, entity in DHS that is responsible for this work. That, in fact, was a recommendation from the Bipartisan Commission on Enhancing Cybersecurity that President Obama put in place to make a report to the next administration. That uh, was a bipartisan, purposefully bipartisan and independent commission uh, headed by Tom Donlan and Sam Palmisano, former uh, head of IBM. And they, that was one of their uh, recommendations that they made. Um, and I would like to see uh, more of those recommendations being taken up by both Congress and the administration. So uh, I absolutely agree that the that DHS, the apparatus in it that deals with cybersecurity and particularly with uh, with private with the private sector, needs to be elevated. I wouldn't go so far as having a whole separate agency. And he, for the following reason. Um, if you make the analogy to the terror threat, after 9-11, we created the Department of Homeland Security um, in response to the rising terror threat. But DHS is not the only entity in the federal government that has very real responsibility for, for identifying and stopping terrorist attacks. I think cyber is uh, the same uh, in terms of its cross-cutting nature and even more so on steroids, right? So you could create a separate agency, but then what does that mean about the role of the FBI, the role... Oh, it still has so. to... It envisions very much that it would be overseeing the role of FERC and of Treasury and FBI, all the other departments that have responsibility for the specific areas of critical infrastructure. Again, a very good first step, elevate it within DHS, see if it can actually perform the roles that it's really not performing right now. Uh, the sharing of intelligence information, for example, threat information, is is really quite, it's a grab bag. And, and most, or many firms out there have not chosen to be part of the consortium that actually uh, uh, does share these different threats real time. So there's an enormous amount of effort. You need more legislation, you need policies, you need regulations, and then you need actual oversight of all of this, which I think this entity would do. Again, see how it does within DHS, if still not capable there, can it attract the, the IT talent from uh, Silicon Valley uh, as NSA and CIA are still able to do to a reasonable degree? That's a big test as well. Just uh, push this question of, of the bureaucratic organization chart, which may sound dull but really isn't, uh, a little bit further. We all remember after the catastrophe of 9-11 that we realized that there was information in the system that just sure. didn't yep. interconnect. And I think one of my personal nightmares is after we have a catastrophic cyber event, we'll discover that all the this, ability to, to, to deal with it well, was maybe. there, yep. but it was balkanized. And, and yes. so yep. when General Petraeus says mm -hmm. we need a separate cyber agency, he's saying something really visible Which or something accountable. You'd have a plug from CIA, from NSA, from so, FBI, all these different So let me entities. ask each of you that, yeah. you know, the trickier part of this, as you know, but few people do, is on the secret and military side. We have just split the National Security Agency, which has the historic expertise, uh, knowledge, 
uh, personnel to, for dealing with cyber issues from Cyber Command, which is the military Actually, command. we haven't yet. Well, I mean, we've, no. we, the plan is to do that. And yep. so I want to ask each of you, before we go over that, uh, you know, don't want to say cliff, but mm -hmm. jump yep. over that, is that a good idea, Dave? Well, I'd want to see what the organizational architecture will look like after this, keeping in, in mind that Cyber Command, the four-star headquarters, should be a headquarters. Uh, generally, four-star commands aren't great operational entities, having commanded uh, Central Command and reminded our staff members generally that you know that should be done by the three-star joint task forces or or others. Uh, and so, seeing how this will be organized, what will the roles and missions be of NSA in this new entity? What will the roles and missions be of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Cyber Command elements that are under it? How will this all be apportioned and how will it operate? By the way, we have an example because, of course, General Nakasone, now the Cyber Command commander, was the commander of the Army Cyber Command, and that was the headquarters which did Joint Task Force Ares, all publicly revealed, which took on the mission of in cyberspace going after uh, the entities within the Islamic State that were active on social media and so very, very effective, frankly as you also had conventional and special operations forces going after it on the ground. That's the kind of campaign we're going to see in the future. And I'd want to understand, again, what will the role of Cyber Command Headquarters be relative to these other entities? And for the time being, I would still keep, them du keep him dual-hatted. In other words, the head of director of NSA as well as the head of Cyber Command, given that there's nothing equal to NSA when it comes to intelligence gathering and signals, cyber, and some other domains of intelligence. Lisa, your, yeah. your view, maybe explain why um, some thoughtful people think it might be uh, damaging to the country to, to split these two. Well, look, there was, um, there's long been a debate, and in fact, during the Obama administration, this debate was had multiple times, and um, uh, earlier in the Obama administration, the decision was made not to split these two. Um, and, you know, I think there has been concern in the past about making sure that you have clarity about the offensive role of Cyber Command and, you know, do we want to um, uh, signal to our international partners and allies that we are kind of weaponizing cyberspace. I think that um, those concerns, um, we largely overcame them, and in fact, the, at the end of the Obama administration, our uh, decision and recommendation to the new team was to, in fact, split them. However, and this is a big however, uh, to not do it uh, as, as if a light switch, right? To not do it uh, uh, very rapidly. There needed to be, and I think for a lot of the reasons that David is saying, there needed to be a tail on this, right? There needed to develop um, a set of roles and responsibilities and very importantly, build up the capability within Cyber Command, just so people understand the dual hat, and I think General Nakasone is a tremendous leader uh, for NSA, I should say, and I saw the great good work he did um, as uh, when he was in the Army and head of yep. Cyber Command there. Um, what it means is that Cyber Command is actually being provided its support by um, the experts at NSA, right? And so what you want to do over time, I believe, is have these separate, but have a uh, self-contained existing expertise in Cybercom. So you're not kind of using both, using the expert to NSA uh, to do both uh, to do both jobs. So we just have a, barely a couple minutes, and I want to ask one uh, closing question, and that goes to the question of deterrence 
of our adversaries. Looking at the reports from DHS and other agencies about continuing Russian attacks on our infrastructure, on other targets, you it would have to say that our adversaries are not now being deterred. So my question, let me start with you, sure. Dave. Are we going to have to give our adversaries a punch in the nose? To put well, we're going to have to impose. Before they stop doing this stuff. I think there will have to be greater penalties is the bottom line. The question is, of course, is the best defense a good offense when it comes to cybersecurity if you are the one in the biggest glass house about to throw rocks? Uh, and this will have to be tested uh, over time. There will have to be some introductory steps. We've shown that there are penalties, legal penalties, financial penalties, and some others. Uh, we're going to have to increase those and, again, encompass some others, including, I think, some, some offensive... Uh, Lisa, a punch in the nose? Look, I think um, there has to be costs and there has to be uh, visible costs, and it has to be shown that it is our default position that we are going to call out malicious actors and impose costs. Those costs won't always be cyber costs. Right? So it, we got to get out of this mindset that it has to be cyber for cyber. Cyber tools should be on the table as uh, a response, but we need to use all of the tools in our arsenal, military, cyber, intelligence, law enforcement, financial sanctions, uh, diplomacy, yes. right? All of those need to be on the table, and we need to use all of them, and we need to be willing to use all of them, and importantly, be willing to have the conversation about using all of them because they won't always, each one won't always be the right, uh, the right fit. I think deterrence looks like uh, it has to have at least two elements. There has to be norms of behavior. We have to be very clear about what we find unacceptable and we have to bring the international community and lead the international community on that. But then there also has to be actions and that means imposing uh, costs for malicious activity. Uh, folks, these are two of the most knowledgeable people who served in our government on these issues. We're really lucky to have them here this morning. Uh, please join me in thanking them for coming. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.